I found myself just on the floor crying for I don't know how long. And I was like, God, if you're real, if you are who you say you are, then show me, just show me. Chaz. What's up? Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone knows this, but you were our first ever podcast guest when I was first starting out. You wow. believed in me from the start, hmm. back from our days at Penn. And it's just so great to have you here. Thank yeah, you for thank coming. You, thank, you for, thank you for having me, for even asking me to do it. I appreciate it. Of course. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long, so we got been, a lot to talk about. Yeah, the past two years felt like four. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh -huh. So today, I really just want to dive deeper in to some of the pivotal experiences in your life that have made you the man that you are today. And maybe before we bring it all the way back to childhood, how have you been the past two years? You know, past well, two years. What was COVID like for you? Oh man, um, I was really fortunate because I live in a house with, like I have a, like quite a few roommates. Um, and so we were all able to, like none of us were ever really isolated unless we chose to be. Um, that was really special. We, we spent um, a good amount of time like just playing games together, getting to know each other more since we weren't like always out because of work or whatever. It was a, a really nice time to just pause and reflect and slow down, reevaluate what's most important to us, which relationships are most important. Um, so there was a lot of good that came out of it. Of course, unfortunately, there's a lot of ugly stuff that happened too. Like it's, this whole thing has vastly increased the division in our country and all around the world. A lot of people lost their lives or family members. But um, I think that there's good that can come out of any situation. and. Um, I've definitely seen a lot of that. And I just try to choose to be grateful and, and hopeful rather than focus on the negative stuff. So, That's awesome. Yeah. It's the best place to be. Yeah. And it's awesome to hear you say that relationships are something that really have become more prominent for you and realizing mm -hmm. that relationships are what's most important. What else have you been reevaluating these days coming out of such a divisive, dark time? Hmm. Um, what have I been reevaluating? I think my relationship with, this is gonna sound corny, but my relationship with myself. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, not corny. Kind of is, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I realized over the past couple of years too, uh, how to a greater extent how hard I can be on myself and how much I expect myself to live up to a certain standard or expectations that aren't even that nobody else is placing on me except myself. Something I've been learning like even recently is uh just how much I grew up with this mindset, this idea that I'm always being judged or watched mm -hmm. and that I, that um, if I make a single mistake, then like it's, it just means way more than it actually does. And because of this idea that I'm always being judged or watched, I have, I've like oftentimes made decisions that, um, you know, okay, if I'm being judged and watched, let me do something that's gonna like bring me affirmation or um, you know, just making decisions based on what other people's what other people think of me, or what my perceived expectations of other people are on me. And since I've started to become aware of that and just break off these old mindsets, I've felt so much freer. I've let go of certain things that I've thought were obligations that really weren't, and they're things that I was just doing to yeah, I guess please people or or live up again to these false expectations I've had for myself, and um. It's making me, it's allowing me to be so much more emotionally available with friends and 
I'm finding myself, I often say like, okay, I'm definitely like more introverted. I like my alone time, but I'm finding myself reaching out to people way more now. I just have more social energy. Like an, another thing is like, I stepped away from social media for a while. And like that's my livelihood. So it's a big decision, but it's been one of the healthiest decisions I've made in a long time. Um, yeah, I'm just finding myself being so much more present and joyful. And uh, yeah, like I said, I just feel so much more free. It's huge. Um, I don't even remember what your question was. <laughs> see, see what happens when you choose yourself. I mean, it's not a weird thing to say. Like things start opening up for you. And I think what you said about expectations and living up to maybe even just perceived expectations that are being placed on you that may not even exist. Yeah. Where did that start for you? Because I don't think that's a new concept. Yeah. Um, where did the like the negative side of it come yeah, from? Yeah, or have you, did, at an early age, going back mm -hmm. to how you were raised, did expectations play a role? Oh yeah. Yeah, let's let's unpack Absolutely. that. Let's unpack, is this the th am I at therapy right now? <laughs> I mean, we're on a Let couch. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Because um, I feel like that's so relatable. I mean, I felt that too growing up. I felt like I needed to always be the straight A student, yeah. perform at the top of my class, be a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. But now I'm kind of unpacking that at this moment in my life. How did that play out for yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really how our society is kind of built. Like before I get into answering the question, like something that I learned not too long ago is um, it's a very American westernized type of mindset to like go for and achieve dreams and goals, which is nothing wrong with it, but it can become really unhealthy and toxic when you put it um, as like, it's gotta be this or nothing else. If you don't reach this level of success, then you're worthless or you don't have as much value, value as other people who have. In other countries, I think in a lot of European and South American countries, they'll literally stop everything in the middle of the day, um, close all stores and go home eat food, spend time with their family, take a nap, and just chill and rest. And uh, that's, I really don't think our society knows how to rest. And um, because we're so performance-based, everything is about results. And um, like just like the way we learn in school, uh, sports and athletics, um, even like things that our parents tell us. So for me, growing up, which uh, something that put a lot of pressure on me, which is still really cool, but um, my dad played in the NBA. So he was like at the highest level of athletic. He won an Olympic gold medal. Like he was a really top tier athlete. So for me growing up, because everybody knew that, it was all, I was always asked like, oh, what are you gonna be when you grow up? You're gonna be a basketball player like your dad? You're gonna be tall like him? You're gonna go into business like him? You're gonna be this, you're gonna be that? I was always just like, I don't know, I'm eight, bro. Let me watch Curry's County Dog in peace and eat my <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch or something. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of pressure, not just from other people, but also from him, like to expect me to walk in his footsteps and fulfill and live out kind of just the life that he did. Like that he, he's always wanted me and still does like to be successful and great, whatever I do, but he was expecting it to look a certain way. So I grew up living based on his expectations and trying to please him and received affirmation from him, which um, because of, of his relationship with his father, it was like really, it was not good. So I can see where it's coming from, but he didn't, I never really received much emotional um, support from him in the things that I did, even though he wanted me to be great. Like when he would talk to his friends, he'd always like praise and affirm me and all this stuff and talk about how, with all my brothers, like he, he was always like that, but I never heard it directly from him. It was always like, you gotta be better do better, point out mistakes and things like that. So that's definitely where it came from. Yeah, now I'm in a place of like, okay, I'm just learning to let it go 
and um, be cool with just being, you know, like life. We're not defined by what we do as much as we that might sound crazy to people listening right now, but we are not defined based on what we do. It's who we are. Character is way more important than that. How we love people is way more important than that. You're just understanding and being able to be able to give other people the grace that we hope ourselves we can receive ourselves or give ourselves. Yeah. Was, Does that make sense? Yeah, it was so beautifully said. I Thank like you. We're we're good. We're done here. <laughs> you just <laughs> dropped all the knowledge in one sitting. I I'd love to know in those moments when maybe you did feel that pressure to live up to expectations, mm -hmm. do you feel like you had the wherewithal or the confidence to talk about it? Like, did you ever have a conversation with your dad? Or is this only now later in life where you can kind of see the forest from the trees that you were able to confront it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think I was ever really able to articulate it any time I was growing up living with him. I was aware of it to an extent, but I didn't really understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. The main thing on my mind growing up was like, dad, I just want to like, please my father, that's it, you know? Like, I think that's what everybody really wants. There's just something special about, there's something very profound in everybody's life, no matter who you are, about being able, about no, about knowing that your dad loves you, no matter what, you know? And I know my dad loves me. It's just like the way he expressed, there was a, there was a, a miscommunication there. And I'm like, I'm not holding that against him or anything. I guess I've learned so much from all of that. But um, there's something very, very special about that. But since then, yeah, we've had more conversations about all this stuff. Uh, we talk pretty often throughout the week, which is really cool. Um, that was not something that that happened when I was younger growing up. So um, yeah, he's he's growing and learning. I'm realizing and learning more and more that he's human just like me, you know? Like we all have our flaws and blind spots and things like that. And we can't, ex just in the same way that we don't want people to hold certain expectations to us, we can't expect anybody else to change or expect, if they are changing, we see we can't expect them to change and grow at a particular rate. We gotta let people be who they are. And like I said before, just love them right where they're at. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Meeting people where they are, I think, is huge. And that's where a lot of people get it wrong. I've gotten it wrong oh, so same. many times. So many times. <laughs> and is there a part of you that if you could pause time or rewind time, would you go back and maybe have some different conversations? Like, what would you do hmm. differently now knowing how you feel about expectations and meeting people where they are. You mean any particular situations in yeah, my maybe life this where I go back and do something differently? If you want to share any different ones, go for it. Hmm. But maybe in this moment with your dad, you know, do you wish you could go back and maybe vocalize how you were feeling or have some other conversations? I don't know. I don't, I don't even really think about it like that. It's like, it is what it was. I'm here now and yeah. I'm able to share the experience with other people, and hopefully bring them some clarity and freedom. So nah, not really. I'm, I'm like, there's some moments that like still like hurt a little bit, but no, I'm not like looking at him with disdain or anything. Like I'm any any areas that he's hurt me, I'm pretty sure I've forgiven him. You know? Like I know I'm not perfect either. I wanna be able to receive forgiveness too. So how can I do that if I'm not able to forgive others? Especially like my own family, you know? Yeah, there's just uh like without sharing specific stuff, there's just time since I've moved out here. I've been in LA for little over four years now. People talk about the jump from high school to college being big, but going from college to living on your own and going out and learning how to adult and all that, that's, that is different. Yeah, One of the so most real. difficult things for me was, um, has been uh, just learning, yeah, to love people where they're at. Just the relational side of life. There's like professionally, that's been cool. Um, and like growth, learning all that mentally, cool. Um, emotionally, spiritually, all that stuff has been great, but relationships has been like that's the toughest thing because you're 
everything else, a lot of times could just be internal. But when it comes to relationships, you're always dealing with other people who have different mindsets and ideas about a whole bunch of different things, opinions, beliefs, their own issues and flaws and all that. So relationships are yeah, hard. Yeah, <laughs> they are. And before we get to that phase of your life where you are now, mm -hmm. clearly you decided not to pursue basketball mm -hmm. professionally, but you found this beautiful career in comedy and content creation among so many other cool projects. What was the turning point? When did you decide to make that yeah, jump? There was a very specific turning point. Um, but to give background context and all that, so my dad kind of like pushed me into it when I was eight. I didn't really want to play. I actually remember the first camp I went to at Seton Hall University. It was like a, a week-long camp. I cried being there. I hated it so much. But um, I played throughout the year in school and all that. And then the next year I came back, I was like one of the best players there. So it was like kind of fun. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, I thought it was like a, like a, a way to connect with my dad. And he like, you know, he was happy with me doing this. So I was like, all right, cool, let me keep playing. By the time I got to like seventh or eighth grade, I started to find myself like, yo, I don't really enjoy this as much. I even played tennis for like a, a semester. And um, it seemed like my dad was like, he was he just didn't like it. I didn't even though I didn't get the level of support I wanted in basketball, I felt even less when I was playing tennis. It was like, dang, that sucks. Like I felt like I was kind of guilt tripped back into playing again. Um, and so I played through high school. It was it was fun. It was cool. And then around like my junior year, halfway through my junior year or by the end of my junior year, I was like, I do not. I just knew I didn't want to do this anymore. I definitely didn't want to go into college with that. I would have been miserable. But I didn't want to quit either, so I finished out the rest of my senior year, and then by the end, I t like I I told him uh, that yeah, I didn't want to play in college, and so he didn't he didn't like it. He didn't agree with it, but it was crazy because that was the within the next over well, the next few months was when I started on Vine, and then it just took off really quickly. And um, once I got to school in college, I decided to I took a a video class. And that was when I was like, oh, I definitely want to go into film production, stuff like that. So it's been like a mix of, like I had always desired to do entertainment, something in entertainment anyway, like before I was even in high school. So that was always there. I don't know, I never connected the two. I never, I didn't, never really had to think that like, oh, at some point I'm going to have to choose one or the other. And I still play for fun, but it's uh, definitely not my main thing now. I hear you. Do you remember the first day when you posted on Vine? and what that felt like. Yeah, I do. <laughs> what was the video? Was, what were you uh, feeling before you posted it? So I was on, Vine came out, it's nine years old now, by the way. It's nine years and seven days Crazy. old, exactly. January 24th, 2013. Oh wow, you know the date. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, and I remember when I like first came out, that was back with askf.fm, if you remember what that is, that was still a thing back then. Totally. Um, and somebody had like, yeah, I was, uh, I found, I don't remember, I don't even remember how I found out about it. My, somebody might have said, hey, are you on Vine? I was like, what is that? And I go check it out. And over like the next couple of months, I was just like spending hours watching these six and a half second videos. And then finally I made my first one on the day of my prom. It was so like, so funny to think back at how primitive <laughs> they were for all the creators you can think of. Um, like back then the style was just like, you point at something to record it and name it or like you show yourself. It was just like kind of, it was basically like selfies with audio. Yeah. That's what it was like. It was like Instagram pictures, but with some, a little bit of audio behind it. And then it started to evolve and people started to like get into a little bit more storytelling, um, being a little bit more outgoing and comfortable with it. It was a really fun time, but my first one was, was just, I don't know, recording my day. Yeah. And how, 
How has that journey been for you now? I mean, having blown up on social media, mm -hmm. you're really pursuing this path of comedy among other creative projects. What was that journey like once you started getting noticed in places you were going? Do you feel like mm. you had to reconcile any parts of your identity in choosing a more public career? Yes, but I feel like it was the other way around where I always did want to have um, a certain level of success or fame, but not like to point people to myself, but because I wanted to impact people on a deeper level um, and be able to reach as many people as possible. But I didn't realize that that desire was kind of coming from, yeah, just like an inner need for affirmation, like I was talking about before. Yeah. It, that's definitely been hard. It's something I'm still like working through in a lot of areas. I, just, I really want to get that out of me. I don't want to have any type of, like not even an ounce of a desire to please people, because if we do, then there's always going to be a little bit of ourselves that's creating out of selfishness or to meet expectations or not for the enjoyment of it, but because we feel like we need to do something. So that's one of the biggest reasons why I've um, stepped away from social media for this season. Uh, and what has that felt like stepping away? Do you miss it? Do you have FOMO? No, no, I don't. I don't. That's great. I don't miss it. Um, <laughs> well, I'm still like, I still watch YouTube videos and, that, and all that, but it's actually crazy how much I've begun to realize just the little gaps, the, the, like the amount of time that we just spend scrolling throughout the day. Like we all know that. Yeah. Everybody knows, okay, yeah, I scroll a lot. Like I spend a lot of time on this, but once you like are away from it for a bit, you're like, I have so much more free time than I thought. Yeah, totally. I thought I would. I'm like, I'm reading more books now. I'm, like I said, like reaching out to people more. It, one of the, a big surprise for me is just how much social energy is drained from being on my phone. Completely. And you're not even really interacting with anybody, you know? Yeah, but you get into like, that place of comparison and seeing other people's lifestyles mm -hmm. and so. Yeah, or just like, I, I really think we like, as people, we have a limited amount of, we have a limited capacity to consume or receive stuff throughout the day, whether it's, you know, spending time with people and having conversations, watching a show, working, exercising, eating, whatever. We get filled up by a bunch of different things throughout the day. Yeah, there's like a cap to all that. And so when you take out a big chunk of it like that, not only are you able to be able to f be filled up by other things, you're able to, you're also able to pour out more and just see it from a see your life from a different perspective that you wouldn't normally do i'm just seeing the reality reality of that in my life now like there's i think we're all all always growing but i think it's been easier to grow as i've been less distracted in That's the awesome. past few months and and thinking about all the things that make you you i know religion has been a huge part of your mm -hmm. journey um how has religion played a role in you know, your beliefs, whether it be what you're doing with your career, how you've reevaluated your time on social media, your mm. political beliefs, how does religion play a part? That word religion is, is funny to me because it's like, or the way I view it is like religion is a set of rules and a system of, I don't know, following a structure in order to be a part of something. Yeah, or something right? bigger than yourself. I just see a re religion as, as a, a system of beliefs, not like, for example, um, sports culture is religious. For me personally, like I, what I, the way I perceive it is like, it's a relationship with my creator, with God. It's, it's personal, it's relational, you know? It's not like just a bunch of rules and all that stuff. Like for me, uh, since being off social media, I've been able to be much more intimate with Jesus since, since all that time and I'm, I attribute that as the number one thing to my growth and like stepping into this f level of freedom. 
the way I live my life is understanding that I have a God who loves me and affirms me first before I do anything. And I'm able to live from that peace. Yeah, it's just loving him first and through the love that I receive from him, I'm able to love other people. So any decision that doesn't align with that or gets in the way of my intimacy with him is, or anything that I'm doing that gets in the way of that has to be, yeah, it has to be just reevaluated and adjusted. Um, and have you yeah. had experiences that made you question your faith? Have you always had that relationship with God? No, I mean, I grew up going to church, but I wouldn't call that, you know, like there are plenty of people who go to, go to stuff. Just if you're in a garage, that doesn't make you a car. You know, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians or followers of Jesus who are not living a life that reflects his, his heart and uh, his love for us and his love for people, you know, um, which unfortunately creates a whole bunch of misconceptions in culture about, like, about who he is. And have you ever struggled yeah. with your religion? Yeah, in college, there was a point in my life where uh, I was really questioning. I came to a point where I was like, okay, do I believe in God just because my parents brought me to church when I was younger and I grew up just hearing these things and there's just nothing else I've ever been exposed to? Or um, do I believe in him because I like, truly know him? And there was a point in college where I was like questioning whether, like entirely whether God was even real. Um, what part which of was, college? This was sophomore year. And it was, it was scary to me because uh, there was like a cult experience I had. What I don't happened? Know if you, I don't think you knew about this, no. but there was, um, yeah, this cult on campus that was like, and to define that real quick, is basically a hierarchy system of people with like one person at the top and then a bunch of people beneath them, but they were calling themselves they were calling themselves Christians. They just were not, right? Um, what the way they would work is uh, they just find people, a lot of times like vulnerable or kids were like just looking for something to be a part of. And um, they kind of like bring you in and there's this it's like manipulative type of, of love that, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was so weird. It, it was just really weird, man. Um, through that experience, it caused me to start questioning and bringing up all these questions that I kind of just swept under the rug. Like, why do I really believe what I believe? Is God actually who he says he is if he's real or is he like real at all? And um, I finally decided to address them about a year later. And it was really scary because I'm like, okay, I built my entire life on this whole foundation but if it's not sturdy, if it's not real, then it's gonna crumble and I'm gonna come crumbling down with it. So how did you yeah. address them? Um, how did I address them or the situation? The situation, and yeah. how did you kind of confront not knowing whether your beliefs were your own? Yeah, um, I really, it was really simple. All I, all I did was, um, again, I was like absolutely terrified. I went to like some friends and asked them to pray for me and pray with me and like, it was, like I didn't really experience anything. And one of them was like, Hey, dude, I think you just need to go to your room and spend time with the Lord on your own. I found myself on the floor crying for like, I don't know how long. And I was like, God, if you're real, if you are who you say you are, then show me. Just show me. Yeah, over that next week, there was just some things that, I, that happened that I can't even really describe to you that made it, that really solidified in my heart. I, th I think that's a great invitation for anybody who's spiritually like searching or struggling. Um, or who says they're spiritual or believes like, I, maybe there's a God, maybe not, I don't know. I believe in some higher power. I really encourage people to just like, just why not just say, Jesus, if you're real, just show me. Like the worst that could happen is nothing. That's it. Like, then you keep moving on with your life. What's taking place in my life 
in, in terms of my relationship with Jesus are so powerful that it's like, I cannot, I can't really describe, you have to just encounter him and experience him for yourself. And That's again, super if nothing happens, then carry on. Yeah, and it's awesome to hear how much your faith has really impacted mm -hmm. who you are. In thinking about, you know, things inside your religion or outside your religious beliefs, are there any other moments that come to mind that really solidified your point of view on the world? Hmm. Like when you look back, were there other formative experiences that challenged you or pushed you or that you struggled with? Mm -hmm. um, would love to hear. Let me think about that for a second. Yeah. Um, how deep do you want to go right Let's now? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go there. Um, yeah, for a lot of my life, I struggled with like a serious problem with pornography. I know people have different beliefs about it, but it is objectively and scientifically terrible for you. It's also like it, the, the biggest supporter of sex trafficking in the world. Um, people don't realize that like there's nothing good about it at all. It affects your like there's this uh, there's this company called Fight the New Drug, and they put out this awesome documentary. I don't even like documentaries like that. I love I love movies, but I rarely watch a documentary because I'd rather just like get invested in the story and a narrative, but this is one of, it's just amazing and it's so rewatchable too. They talked about all this stuff in a way that wasn't heavy. It was like encouraging. It, you felt like uplifted after watching it, but it was called Brain Heart World. It just talked about how um, pornography affects our brain physiologically, um, how it affects our heart, um, and, you know, our relationships with other people and how um, it impacts the world, just culture, society, the economy. Um, so yeah, I'd, if anybody's, that's something that anybody's struggling with, I'd highly recommend checking that out too. But uh, what it was for me was a way of comforting myself. Yeah, in areas where I wasn't, where I didn't feel filled up or like affirmed, you know? When, whenever we feel like we're missing something or we're struggling in some area, there's always something else that we might go to mm. to fill that void or like, or to comfort ourselves. And for me, that was like the ugly thing that I went to. And being aware of that too, it made it, it brought about even more shame and um, you know, isolation, difficulties in relationships with people. Having like walked through it, I still like, you still gotta like be on guard and all that, but working through that has been like so awesome and so beautiful and another area of freedom that I'm experiencing that I'm like just so joyful about being able to like talk to others with because I know that's something that at least statistically I want to say I think over 70 percent of people struggle with um yeah it's it's a really ugly thing and it's it's hard to deal with like I said being on the other side of it I'm able to like help other people who are experiencing similar things. And so. thank you for sharing about that. Yeah. I think I'm glad to share about like yeah. it's, it's I'm, I'm free. Yeah. You know? like it's, but topics it like bondage. pornography are super stigmatized. You know, people are mm -hmm. afraid to talk about them. And right. I think it's amazing that you're willing to be open about that experience mm -hmm. and bringing in, you know, another perspective maybe when we, you know, have conversations about sex, you know, within our community, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that maybe don't view pornography as a bad thing, you mm -hmm. know, what, what would you have to say maybe to someone who doesn't view pornography as bad? Yeah, um, like I said, statistically, it, uh, it's, it's just a really ugly thing. Um, it leads to dysfunction, I'll just call it that. It can lead to uh, um, difficulties relating with people like sexually on a physical level. It, can, it causes uh, breaks in relationships. It causes you to objectify people and not see them as they are but as objects for pleasure. 
it um, again, like the industry itself. A lot of people don't even realize this, but a lot of videos that seem like they're just whatever, um, people are being coerced into doing things that they didn't want to do or didn't sign up for. Actually, you have a friend who used to be in the industry for I think five to seven years or something like that. She came out of it and was able to share. Um, her name's Brittany De La Mora, but um, she was able to share um, a lot of her story about yeah, her experiences in it. And now she's going and like helping other people come out of it because a lot of times I know women and even men too get involved in it um, because they need to make money and they're struggling or they're not aware of what they're actually getting into and it becomes something so much worse. And then of course, we are, you know, there's like just straight up slavery where people are being held against their own will, hidden, stolen from their families, taken off the street, horrible things being done to them, being recorded. You know, people are getting paid to do this. And those people, like um, some of them have their own families, yet they're able to see this person as like not a complete human being and just an object of whatever, you know? Um, those, only, those are only a couple examples of why it's terrible. So when we're engaging with this content, we're kind of coming into agreement with, it, with, with all those things that are going on behind the scenes, whether we're aware of it or not. And that's not to shame or condemn anybody. Like I said, I struggled with this for years, even at some, at some point, like being aware of a lot of these things. But unless we get to the root of why we go back to it, why we feel that we need to go to it as a comfort and to like appease and like soothe ourselves in whatever area, unless we get to the root, um, you know, the roots of it, then we're just going to keep cutting off branches that will grow back. Or even if you cut off the whole stump, I mean, down to the stump, that can grow back too. So hopefully some of those facts can help people at least turn to be like, okay, why do I do this? Why is this um, comforting or like feeling for me? You know? Yeah, totally. And I appreciate you bringing that up. I think mm -hmm. getting to the root of maybe that struggle or yeah. if it's an addiction, like understanding where it comes from is huge. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing about that. Yeah. And I know another huge part of your journey is really in the topic of mental health. Mm -hmm. I know we've talked about it before. I know you've struggled with depression. When do you remember the first time struggling with your own mental health? And you know, how has that been a part of your journey of who you are today? Hmm. Um, I think most people at some point have like bouts of discouragement and uh, like lacking and like a lack of hope. I don't think, I've, I've never been like clinically diagnosed as depressed. Time, time back into obligation, disappointment, expectation, all that stuff. Um, and the stuff, the, the expectations I would hold over myself would cause me to go into places of yeah despair. But the first time I can say I really was like, yo, I am depressed right now. I don't feel like getting out of bed and feeling like an extreme sense of heaviness was when I first moved out here to LA wow. um, for a bunch of different reasons. Um, one of my close friends um, at that time was also struggling with uh, suicidal thoughts and depression. And um, there were a couple of times where he called me like sitting on the edge of a parking garage. And I'm like, yo, what the heck is going on right now? It was just a whole lot all at once. There's no other answer for me but this, but just experiencing the freedom that I have in my relationship with Jesus, that is it. That's, that's it. And that seems like such a blanketed answer. I know that's, but I'm talking personally for myself. That was the, what led me out of like that bout. He promises hope, joy, peace, freedom, and so many other things that um, I think the world is looking for and trying to find in so many other areas. But um, I don't believe that we're just 
here for a short time as finite beings. I think we're, there is like an eternity that we'll have. And I was either gonna be like with God in his presence or not. Um, and he like, he wants us to be with him. He's not like this angry God that's, you know, waiting to smite us for our mistakes and all that. It's like his heart is for us to turn to him and he's good. Like I, I fully with complete conviction believe that. So yeah, like I, to go back to the question, I found that in, in turning to him in the midst of this, like there's, he doesn't always take our, our pain away. He doesn't always take um, or change our circumstances or problems, but in the midst of storms and struggle and like all these fights that we might have, he is our peace, he's our hope, and he's who we can trust in to, to be. You know? Chaz, I love hearing you light up about how faith and how God has really guided you throughout your life as a Jewish person. Mm -hmm. I, of course, have my own relationship with God and I find so many similarities between mm -hmm. our experiences. So would love to dive into that more yeah. another time. But mm -hmm. before we go, for any young person out there who's listening to our conversation today, who's hearing you know, all of these important moments throughout your lifetime, what if someone else is going through that right now out there? What would you say to that person or to your younger self? Going through what in particular? A bunch of different areas that you've brought up today, I think, mm -hmm. resonate, right? Yeah. Maybe wanting to take time off of social media, reconciling <sighs> expectations, yeah. maybe relationships. I'd say to be calm. I don't think calmness is just an emotion, but it's a choice. It's a choice to pause and slow down and rest and just check like, okay. Like for example, one thing really practically that you can do I'm not saying this is like an end-all be-all answer to everything. Life gets really hard for people, you know, like I, we all have different experiences and struggles. Like I'm not going to get into the specifics of that, but I think that something practical we can do is pause and ask ourselves for a situation that we might be worrying or having anxiety over is, okay, am I in control of this situation? If the answer is yes, it's like, okay, what's one thing I can do to change it? If we're not in control of the situation, it's like, all right, worrying about it won't add a single hour, minute, second to my life. How can I let this go um, and move towards that? I'm not saying it's, it's easy, but it is, it's, it's simple. Again, living in such a performance-based society that we think we need to have everything, get everything right, like, and get it right now, immediately, like as soon as, like, as, soon as possible. But I'm finding like, like even just about like getting married at a certain age, I'm like, yo, I'm this. I feel like for the first time ever, I'm really enjoying so much just being single and not worrying about like not, I've never been in a relationship before, but there's always been just the desire like, yo, I want to meet somebody who who I can spend the rest of my life with. Now I'm like, hey, bro, I'm, I'm chilling. You know, like there's there's no rush. We, we put ourselves in such a rush. We need to slow down, be calm, chill and just be like, OK, what can I do today? Like what, what's, what's the purpose of today? Stop thinking so far ahead. Stop thinking we gotta have like a, a billion dollars in Bitcoin by age 23 and all this <laughs> crap, you know, like, oh man, life is so much simpler than we make it. I'm thankful that I'm beginning to realize that and like just taking some steps towards letting go of the things that I've thought were so important, but are really not, you know? And that, again, that gives me so much more space to to love and be with people and accept them right where they're at and then do things like this, you know? Like this is, that's what I say. It was kind of like a, a longer answer than I, I expected. It. So Chaz, mm -hmm. 
every episode here on POVs, we have to bring in some POVs from the larger Gen Z community. So keep an eye on your phone. You're going to get some text messages. Right. And I want to hear your honest, unfiltered opinions. Okay. Let's cool. do it. All right. Ivy League schools are overrated. I think a lot of those students think they are better than everyone else just because they have money. Okay, first of all, I don't know what y'all talking about thinking I got money like that. Uh, I was on FAFSA, for real, for real. Still paid off student loans right now, so there's that. Secondly, uh, dang, I'm sorry you feel that way. I think you may have some personal issues to work through or you might have met some really stuck up people because but there's there's stuck up people everywhere you know um and have I'm, you ever gotten any hate for going to a school like Penn do um, people judge you for that hate no but there have definitely been some reactions from people that have gotten that are like okay for example I didn't play basketball in high school I mean, in college at all right there are times where I meet some people and they'll be like you know, they're kind of just like, oh, hey, what's going on? Where are you from? Where, what school do you go to? I say Penn. It's like, so all of a sudden, they're like, there's a shift. It's like, oh, wow, okay, you're, you're one of the smart ones. Like, mm, that's like, a little, little bit of, little, little bit of prejudicey vibes. You feel me? Like, uh, yeah. Or another one I've got, like being on campus. <laughs> like, oh, you go here? Yeah. Oh, wow. What sport do you play? Bro, I'm a student. I make videos. What do you mean? Like that's, wow. Stuff like that um, has been funny. But I was like, in, in terms of, you know, people thinking that we, uh, we're, we think we're better than everybody else. No, I'm like so grateful to have gone to a school like that. I actually wanted to transfer to go to um, NYU to pursue a film production. But my parents were like, no, this is a great school. Stay here. You got in. Like, that's amazing. A lot of people didn't. You could always go to grad school after. And you did for a little bit. No, I got into to, the, to grad school, but I decided to pursue social media instead. So, no, I've been thankful and grateful to go to a school like this. It was never like a, for me at least, a stuck up thing. But there are people like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm grateful you went to Penn because otherwise yeah. I wouldn't have met you. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> sweet. Ooh, another one. All right. More content creators need to use their platforms for good to make the world a better place, whether it's performative or not. They have a platform, so I think it's the necessary and responsible thing for them to use it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that um, people who have a lot of other people's attention should not be using that for selfish reasons, that there are a lot of people in the world who are hurting and struggling, trying to find answers to stuff. And we're all trying to find answers to stuff too, but I think uh, if we have a lot of people's yeah, ears and eyes and they look up to us, especially youth, Gen Z or kids that are your kids, you know, children. I think it's important to add to people's lives, not take away by um, seeking likes and validation and affirmation on social media. That's, uh, yeah. Totally. Have you ever felt personally a pressure to post about certain things or take yes. a stance on a social issue? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and this is coming from me as a, as a black person. Like, um, around the time, like a, a lot of these just horrible, unjust killings of um, of black men by the police, or yeah, that, that's 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 the topic we're talking about right now. Like all these these things, when when stuff like that was going on, I just felt such a pressure and a need to say something, being that I too am a black man in America. Um, when at times like I didn't even want to be on be online. Like I just would rather sit and grieve or not think about it at all 
like I sometimes we like I have, didn't have anything to say, but I tried to make something up and it just was like forced. Um, like that's and then another thing is like we we don't even I really think one of the that people something that people aren't aware of is one of the most unhealthy things about social media and the internet is that we have access to information from pretty much every corner of the planet. We are not built for that level of information. We are not like about a only what like a, when was the TV invented or radio or whatever like it was um, around a hundred let's just say a hundred years ago for that for that sake. People only knew about their personal communities, and if there was a massive story, maybe that news got spread pretty quickly to other areas, and then you'd read a newspaper and find out about it. But the way we're supposed to live, like, there have been studies done where um, the average human only has the capacity for 100 to about 150 relationships, and we're over here looking at thousands of people online. That can't be good. It's draining. Like, when I say I'm able to, like, and it ties right into what I was saying before, like, I'm able to be more present with people now and, like, find myself reaching out to friends more often. Yeah, so with all that, if we're going to be online and have a platform, and this really goes for anybody, we should be like seeking how we can improve other people's lives or, or give rather than take. Mental health has become such a trend on social media. Now that everyone talks about mental health, it's become too normalized that it feels fake and sometimes used as an excuse. People just want to be part of it when they don't actually have diagnosed mental health struggles. Um, that one's a little spicy. That is a little spicy. Some sriracha, not too spicy, not no habanero, but uh, <laughs> that was dope. <laughs> uh, I think there's there is some truth to this statement. I, honestly, I'm not gonna just make a blank. I'm not gonna say it's like, it's entirely true, but I think there are different times where people do or say things to draw attention to themselves when they're not being fully honest. Meant the the to speak to the phrase about mental health becoming a trend on social media. I, I, I yeah, there's some truth to that too, but it's still a legitimate issue no matter how people phrase it or. Um, you know, it, it still exists. It's just being talked about. That goes for so many different things, like the Me Too movement as well. As well. Like sexual assault and the issues in our culture with, you know, um, objectifying women and, and, and men as well. And, uh, and how people view rape and sexual assault. That's always existed. It's just being talked about more. You know, oppression and racism in different forms have always existed. Much more, it's become much more prevalent over the past couple hundred years, but, but no, that's always been a thing. People have always found um, ways to put themselves up over others, but now it's just being talked about more. Yeah, there are people who take advantage of that, but that doesn't mean it isn't what it is. It is what it is. I totally hear you know? that. Doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah. I think Vine should make a comeback and take over TikTok. Vine was always superior. Yes. So yes. if it comes down to it, you like Vine more than TikTok? Yes. TikTok is great. I wasn't with it at first. It's cool. I'm gonna nerd out for a second. So the way that TikTok works is like, for people who don't know this, is when you post a video, it's put out to like a small batch of people and based on the engagement that that video gets, it'll get pushed out to the next one and then to a larger group of people and then like so on and so forth, which is why you see people with like, who will post their first video and it could, you might see it with like 21 million views. I've seen that a few times, but that's because of how the algorithm works. With Vine, especially before you could revine things, like the same way that retweeting works, it was so much more organic and you had so much more of a, a creative limit being that you had six and a half seconds to make an impression on somebody, uh, tell a joke, make them laugh or something like that. So 
the things that rose to the top are only the things that were actually good enough to be reshared. So it was it, it created a much smaller margin of success. Like you had to the video had to be like right in here in order to pop off. But for TikToks, like you have so much more space, which is cool. But that's why there aren't as many trends that we see on TikTok because anything could go could blow up. We're vying like there's you could quote dozens right, right. now from the top of your head. Right. What TikTok all you think of right now like emotional damage. Nice. <laughs> no, but I hope emotional I hope Vine damage. makes it come back at some point. Yeah, I, I don't know. They tried. They put out um I think Dom Hoffman, the guy who made it, um, he put out this app called Byte a few years ago, but it it might still be in existence, but I don't think it it didn't really do too well. So yeah. It was a special moment. It was. Time. Iconic. <laughs> okay. Emotional damage. <laughs> um, Chad should teach a master class on how to correctly pronounce things incorrectly. I love <laughs> that take. Uh, okay, I, I might do that, but you'd have to pay for it. I'm not going to get any tips right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Do you see yourself starting to make more content again, pronouncing um, things incorrectly? I might. I've talked about it. I've like had some ideas. I was talking to a friend yesterday who was like, was just talking about that too, but right now I'm not really, not really thinking about right. There's just there's just one project I'm working on now. That's it. That's all I'm focused on. Outside of that, I'm like building relationships with people and enjoying the like freedom that I have right now in life. Like I don't, I, I'm just being aware of the the actual responsibilities that I have versus everything else. So I'm not really thinking about when I'm gonna get back to social media just yet. Um, if I do get back on. And if I make a pronouncing things incorrectly, start making those again, it'll be because I really wanted to, not just because I know everybody else would enjoy it. I love that. And that goes to show how aligned you are with who you are in this moment. Try and yeah. I just can't wait to see where you go next. Thank you. So before we go, mm -hmm. can you pronounce POVs <laughs> incorrectly? Oh man, the short words are the hardest. The short words are the hardest. Oh man, let me think real quick. This is how the process works. I gotta pause, consider the, the consonants, the vowels. It's fun to watch your process. The the syllables, the syllables, um, the syllables pronounced incorrectly, if you didn't catch that. And then there's like also like, okay, wait, is this actually funny? I don't really know until I say it most of the time. <laughs> uh poovies. That's what we're gonna call it. There we go. I'm Chaz and y'all watching Poovies with <laughs> yeah. Sophie Beard. You heard it here first. Chaz, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. It's so great to see you and just excited to see what's next. Thank you.